What's up, MuggleCast listeners? If you want to make an impact online, GoDaddy.com has what you need. Get your own .com domain name for as low as $1.99. Plus, world-class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This week's MuggleCast is also brought to you by Borders. Prepare for the upcoming release of Book 7 by catching a glimpse of where it all began. During the month of April, you can purchase Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on DVD for only $14.99 at Borders. Also, be sure to reserve Book 7 at Borders at 40% off and get a free sticker. Choose from Trust Snape or Snape is a very bad man. Because we lost Andrew on the Outer Banks, this is MuggleCast, episode 87, for April 15th, 2007. Okay, everyone. I think it's time that we come clean. But do you really think so? Because it was such a joke. I, I, you know, I really do think that we should, Jamie, because so many people were so upset about it. And I think it's just time we came out and admitted that we really didn't get the Book 7 manuscript. I would base this on one question. Would a general member of the population believe that in the seventh book, Joe would personally write that... Uh, Harry slipped on a slice of carrot cake and broke his pelvis. Because if the general population member <laughs> says no, then I don't think we should come clean. I think we should let people stew in their own disbelief and believe it's true and stuff. Well, we can insult our listeners for believing that Harry slipped on a piece of carrot cake. Or I think we should. I, I'm sorry, Eric. I think that they deserve insulting if they well, believe. Well, that. well, if it if that didn't do it for them, the whole Facebook thing, you know, yeah, w- exactly. was a lot more realistic. So. Oh wait, that wasn't true. <laughs> oh. Well, listen, then I it is time him. to come I yeah. him, so I wrote in his wall, Eric. Yeah. Don't spoil the magic for me. Yeah, in all seriousness, everybody, it was a joke. It was. Frankly, I'm a little surprised that there were people who believed it. It's just a <laughs> and joke. It's just I a love joke. how our supposed-to-be 30-second intro is now turned into two and a half minutes of intro. And uh, with that, I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. Seven. That is the new ad for the Deathly Hollows marketing campaign designed by Scholastic, and it appears in the most recent edition of Entertainment Weekly. Speaking of the seventh book, back in March, Scholastic announced their promotional plans for Deathly Hollows, which included a night bus tour. 
Scholastic has now released the dates and locations for their 37-stop tour along the east coast of the United States. For more information, you can check out MogulNet.com. In an interview conducted on the Order of the Phoenix set last fall, producer David Heyman discussed what cuts they made to the film, his take on the film's darkness and intensity, and director David Yates. He said about Yates, you see a director with a real strong point of view, a really idiosyncratic sensibility. He is someone who grounds things. He makes everything seem very real and authentic, and that's very important for this. This is a film which is grounded, I think, more in reality in the sense that it's about a revolution in a way. War is upon us, or is getting closer, as Voldemort has returned. And Ivana Lynch recently did an interview where she spoke in detail about the past year where she won the role of Luna Lovegood. On whether she and Luna share similarities, Ivana says this. Yes, quite a few. I believe that almost anything is possible if you see the possibilities rather than the obstacles. Luna has some very unconventional beliefs that need no basis of fact, and while I don't share them, I think it shows us that she won't believe things are untrue until you have some very firm evidence. There's no evidence to suggest that the crumple horn Snorkak exists, but there is no evidence to suggest that it doesn't. Therefore, she can believe in it. I think the main difference between us is that I am a lot more ambitious, and that makes me serious. Luna is so free and seems to drift along with life, dealing with everything as it comes to her. J.K. Rowling is set to be featured on Britain's Rich List next Thursday on ITV1 at 9pm. According to Radio Times, every year the Sunday Times Rich List ranks Britain's top earners by their wealth. ITV gets an exclusive preview and meets the members of this exclusive club, where the entry level is 70 million quid. Finally, happy birthday to Emma Watson, the Harry Potter actress who plays Hermione Granger, turns 17 today. And another Emma, Emma Thompson, who plays Professor Trelawney, turns 48. That's all the news for this April 15th, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right, thank you, Micah. You're welcome, Laura. You know, I like doing the news for you much better than Andrew. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm not as pushy about you getting it done, right? That's, that's right. Yeah, you should see Andrew. Okay, we've only got one announcement for everybody this week. Uh, it's just Podcast Alley. We're number one over there, so just keep up the voting. Uh, we're ahead of that other Potter podcast and Keith and the Girl, which is always nice. But do you know what? Uh, Can I just say hmm. quickly, do you think we're insulting the intelligence of our viewers by asking them every week to vote on Podcast Daddy? Because you'd think after 80, think so. 87 shows, they might just remember. Uh, I wouldn't, honestly. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, neither would I. I would totally I mean, forget. you notice that when we've gone for weeks at a time without doing it, you know, we've slowly dropped down the list, and I think it's just good to remind people every now and then. So every week, just, you know, every keep week, in mind, you, you know, <laughs> every week, and especially at the beginning of every month, shouldn't go vote we, at Podcast sh- Alley. Shouldn't we add a kind of threat in there to make it seem more realistic? If you don't <laughs> vote, for, vote for us on Podcast Alley... Well, let's see, we have... Um, you listen to the other Potter podcast and God Kills a Kitten. Yeah, yeah, that's God Kills so. a Kitten. But I think we need to take it a bit further because, you know, if they listen to it, it's okay. But I think if, if they don't vote on Podcast Alley, that's pretty serious. So God doesn't only kill uh, the well kitten, then, uh, he kills its we family. We will really <laughs> spoil Book 7. We will really no, spoil no, Book Laura, 7. No, but, there but we go. It's just a book, though. It's just a book. He'll... he'll He'll kill the kitten, he'll torture their family and empty their checking accounts, and he'll f- f- forge their signature and uh, buy 500 quid w- quid's worth of uh, um, wow. coats from... Uh, wow, from- that's... No, and speaking of dissing God, we have to say that right now in this announcement. Um, I think we should really talk about that, actually. Um, yeah, definitely. That, um, a lot of people... Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, not really, not tons of people, but we've gotten several emails concerning um, listeners who think that we are dissing Christians, and that's 100% not true. We have never on this show. How could you possibly say that? Christians. We're, yeah. We're Harry it's Potter. Because, <laughs> yeah. We make, uh, <laughs> we make jokes about Laura Mallory, and I think that. If you go back and listen to previous episodes, you can clearly grasp that making fun of Laura Mallory is not making fun of other Christians because we don't associate fanatical Christians with non-fanatical Christians. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Does anyone else have anything to say on that? <coughs> I think that was pretty perfect. E- even though we're not associating with non-fanatical Christians, Laura Mallory, are we so- associating Laura Mallory with fanatical Christians? Yes, uh, of course I, we are. I withhold the question. I withhold the question. You're doing great. All Just right. let's stay away from that, please. Uh, Laura, I have an announcement. You do? What is that, I Michael? do. Uh, if people haven't noticed already, we're kind of... You're pregnant. Yes, I am, Jamie. Um, but you weren't supposed to tell everyone, at least <laughs> not now. Um, anyway, we're down one of our hosts. Um, Andrew's not here this week, oh, yeah. but he wanted me to uh, read a little bit of a note that he put together for all of his fans out there. Do you well, mind if I go that? ahead? Why, why does he always do this? It, it just reads pickle. That's that's all it says, pickle. <laughs> they all no, know no. what it means. No, it's a little bit more involved than that. Um, it's actually why he's not here. So I think we should take a few minutes and, and go into this just a little bit. Why do we do this every week? If the guy can't make it or edit it when he or add it in when he's editing... Because it's we... normally a boring excuse. Why can't he okay. make it? Oh, because he's going on a family meal. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, Michael, why don't you go ahead and read it? All right. It says, Dear listeners, I deeply regret not being here on this week's show. I'm on an important (laughs) business trip to track down the latest fabricated Michael Goldenberg interviews. Don't tell Micah this. Um, Okay. But I think it was him who tried to frame me. Always yours, Andrew. (laughs) So he's having me try to implicate Uh myself by reading his email here. That's a little bit odd. Micah, what have you been doing in your spare time? <laughs> Apparently fabricating Michael Goldenberg interviews. Michael, that <laughs> Micah, that's your hobby. That's all you do. Okay, moving on. I think we have some uh, rebuttals. Eric? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, Mike and I will be doing this episode's rebuttals. From Guro, age 19, from Norway. Subject is spine symbol and Greek letters. It says, hey guys, just wanted to comment on episode 85 where you talk about the symbol on the spine of the UK children's edition of the seventh book. And Mikey said that it was a circle and a perfect triangle. This is probably true. However, I think he overlooked that it can also be a combination of the two Greek letters, delta and... Fee. fee. It's oh, fee. Fee. Yes, I thought it was fee. Um, I think this is the case because of the straight line across the circle. Now, what does that mean, you say? Well, fee is related to wisdom, as anyone who have read the absolutely, Da Vinci Code will Absolutely. Absolutely. Very true. Very true. And Delta is... Yeah, Jamie, you're a big Dan Brown fan, I hear. Um, mm, I and, am. And, I am quite a big Dan. And, am, and Delta is as I'm sure most of you know, uh, related to math. However, delta is also the symbol used in legal shorthand for the defended. This may not mean anything, just thought I should point it out. Um, Thanks. I like that whole bit about the defended, because when you think about it, the character who's going to need the most defending in Book 7 is Snape. I'm trying not to think in terms of this being a a part of the cover. I think it's, I really think it's a publisher's symbol of some sort, because it's on, you know, it's on the... I don't think so. Yeah, but it's on the spine in the same area where other pictures have been on the rest of the books. Oh. Okay, then I'm completely wrong. That is true. 
fee is actually very um, uh, interesting in um, the Da Vinci Code. For those people who haven't read it, let me just completely spoil it by saying that Robert Langdon, the main character, talks about um, the symbol phi and its relation in sort of physics, biology, and he says that sort of the relation to between female and male honeybees in the community is one point. Oh god, I can't remember six one eight. I thought it was three point six one something. No, that's pi. Uh, oh, that well, yeah, three point one four. But no, I mean, I love Da Vinci Code. I actually prefer Angels and Demons, but one point six one eight. I think it is. You're right, Jamie, and it's the relation yeah, and um and. Uh, yeah, and it's, and it's relation between um, honeybees and bees and male bees in their community, and it's sort of the relation, and it's the ratio for shells, the sort of inner thing of the shell, and stuff like that. And it's very interesting, and I encourage people to read it. And that's my check from uh, Dan Brown's publishing company, as well as from Fox last week for Prison Break references. So, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll cut yeah. in on some of that action. Uh, the male, yeah. uh, the proportionate human. Sorry. Um, the proportionate human is also divisible in at body length and things uh, is, by yeah. fee. So it's quite cool. Um, but no, the, the symbols on the spines of the UK editions, um, the first book uh, had... Oh, now I'm forgetting it. Um, well, the second book, at any rate, had uh, Hedwig in her cage. The third one had the Grimm. Uh, the fourth one had yet another owl, actually. Um, book five, Order of the Phoenix in UK... Uh, had the feather of the phoenix, and book six had a Marvolo Gaunt's ring, um, or the Gaunt ring, presumably. That's interesting. Yeah, I like especially so, that Gaunt's ring was on the um, spine of Half Blood Prince because it goes to show that they're really putting important aspects uh, from the books on the spine. So I think that it, this uh, symbol definitely is going to play a role in the book. I don't have a question about it. All right, next rebuttal comes from Azel. Is that right? I hope so. Azil, Azil, yeah. 27 from Texas. She writes in about the prophecy. So a little bit unrelated to our book seven discussion, but she comes up with a pretty cool idea. She said, I thought of this while listening to one of your casts a couple weeks ago when Jamie was talking about tying Voldemort to a chair and Avada Kedavra. (laughs) Why does Harry have to do that? I have an off-the-wall theory regarding the prophecy given to Dumbledore during Trelawney's interview. It starts with, quote, the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, end quote. What is curious to me about this is that she said the word approaches and then pauses. Could she have been talking about another person besides the Chosen One? If you think about it, two people were approaching that room at the very moment, Snape and Dumbledore's brother. I thought it would be interesting if the prophecy was meant for Harry, but that first sentence was meant for another who will help Harry in the end. Let me know your thoughts, even if you think I'm an idiot. That is the hottest thing I have ever heard in yeah. my life. That is, oh my god, this room is just <laughs> you're definitely 25 not an idiot. degrees. Yeah, you're an idiot. That's that's actually so true. It's it's clearly got to be right just because it's so awesome. That is actually brilliant. Well done. <laughs> please please come over here so I can hug you because that was so awesome. what Snape and Aberforth Dumbledore, presumably Snape by the ear, were approaching. <laughs> yeah. The power, mm-hmm. the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, approaches the room. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I wish I was that clever. Uh, and I mean, what's great about it is she's right. There's a pause between the two thoughts. Yeah, there really. So are. they, re- I mean, they might not be related. Yeah. What's the next that sentence? Then? Born to those who thrice defied it's, him. Um, the- born to those <laughs> who thrice defied him. Yeah. The, oh, that what? is absolutely I think she genius. Yeah. Well, if there are two nouns there, if she refers to someone. If she uses a different term to describe Harry right then and there, then it's definite, I think. 
Because um, doesn't she say, born to those... Can we have a moment silence for this? Cause, uh, born to those who thrives to fight him. Um, born as the seventh month dies. And the Dark Lord will... I can't remember the whole thing. Will, um, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal. He will have the power the Dark Lord knows not. Power the Dark Lord knows not. So actually, <laughs> she only uses the word one in reference to the person who can defeat the Dark Lord once. She doesn't use it multiple Approaches times. That is yeah, so it's, good. it's a prayer. Oh, I know. <laughs> can we have a collective... Oh, God. That's uh, unbelievable. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, I really like this, though. I th- I think this is a great, great theory. It's because no, that's actually brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I think I've always thought there's more to the prophecy. I think we all have. And Joe said that she worded it very carefully she with yeah. Trollney. So it's it very possible. Trollney, though, because she's useless. So it has to be Snape. <laughs> <laughs> all Trollney does is drink sherry. You know? No, no, no. What's she uh, going to do? I'm, what I was saying is that she worded it when she wrote it. Yeah. Carefully with Trelawney. D- Not Tr- that Trelawney stumbles too. Eric, do you think it's a kind of part parts of the, the the Caribbean thing when um you know Harry's going to be fighting Voldemort <laughs> in the uh, in the sort of blacksmith's yard and then Trelawney's going to be sitting there asleep and just as uh, Voldemort steps backwards, he, she's going to grab her uh, bottle and just smash him yeah. over the head. And, <laughs> and, and, I and swear. then right after that, right after that, Jamie, she'll say, "But why is the sherry gone?" So she will, yes, exactly. <laughs> Next rebuttal comes from Tiffany, twenty-four of Australia. She said, "Hi, Mugglecasters, love the dumb jokes. I don't think our d- jokes are dumb. Do you? Dumb? <laughs> no, love the are. topics. Love the show. <laughs> P.S. I think the castle on the back of the UK children's cover may be Durmstrang, as it looks quite icy. And J.K.R. said we will see Crumb again." Also, the mist could be the Dementors breeding. I would also like to add that I think the UK children's may be Gringotts. Hagrid takes an indestructible goblin-wrought helmet to present to the Gurgan Half-Blood Prince, or may possibly be a vault of Gryffindors, seeing as the only stones in that treasure are rubies. Sorry if I'm repeating anything anyone else has said, and thanks for a great show. Interesting, interesting. I like that Durmstrang idea. I like this. Very clever. The mist as well. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that it's Durmstrang. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. But I'm not so sure because they say it looks icy and it just seems like, it just seems like it's that's a play the on the moon. Yeah, I don't think it's really yeah. icy. I mean, it's definitely icy in color and appearance, but I don't know if it's actually... But um, what I really like about Tiffany's rebuttal is she talks about the possibility of... Um, the UK children's cover taking place in Gringotts, which is great because is, today's yeah. main discussion is about Gringotts, and we'll be getting to that in a few minutes. Um, does anyone else have anything to say on this one, or should we move on? Well, didn't we talk about on a previous show that we thought that that treasure had to be at Gringotts because you know it had yeah. the, and I think I mean, that, that's a pretty safe conclusion. You know, it's and Gringotts has, has always been hyped up. You, you know, it has a, actually no, not really hyped up, but she made it, but highlighted, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, she made a point in putting Joe it in. Joe made yeah. the, the deal of making the poem to be a um, a big deal. You know, the thing on the f- front door of Gringotts, and she's and Hagrid said that Gringotts was the safest place to keep something apart from Hogwarts, and it just seemed like a safe place anyway. So we have to go back there. All these places have to be impl- have to be important to both sides in the Wizarding War. You know. And what I love about it is, you'll remember that I've been you know harping on about this whole parallels between the different books, and yeah. really the largest role that Gringotts has played was in book one, yeah. and I'm really excited about seeing it again in book seven. I think it's I awesome. Agree. I like the part about the indestructible goblin wrought helmet because if you look at some of the pieces on the cover of the UK children's edition, 
it shows that there's not just the helmet, but it seems like there's a lot of different pieces of armor, which actually leads into the next rebuttal. So, Eric, go ahead. Why, thank you, Micah. And now with today's weather. Uh, this fourth um, rebuttal comes from Anne Beth, age 16, also from Norway. We have a lot of, lot of Norwegian Harry Potter fans, and we appreciate every single one of them. Two. <laughs> now that, well, two in one episode is very, very big. It is. Very good. Um, okay, subject is UK children's cover. Hey, guys and Laura, I was just listening to episode 83, Woot Woot, which Eric did a wonderful job editing, and when you were discussing the UK children's cover, I, I remembered something. In... Well, just just because it's not transcribed doesn't mean she s- doesn't say it. Um, Hepler Prince, page 407, UK edition. Dumbledore and Harry are looking at the memory of Hepzibah Smith. Voldemort visited Hepzibah because he wanted to know if she still wasn't willing to sell her Goblin-made armor. It was only mentioned in passing, but we all know that that's J.K.'s style. We sure do. Could that be the armor featured on the UK children's cover? The Goblin-made armor from the... Yeah. If so, is it a Horcrux? Perhaps it belonged to Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. Seeing that Gryffindor had a sword, perhaps he had armor to go with it. Just wanted to know what you guys think. It's possible, yeah. Well, one thing I just wanted to bring up was that uh, Hepzibah Smith was visited by Tom Riddle when he was still working at Borgen and Burks, and upon arriving to Miss Hepzibah, he told her that he was there because Mr. Burke would like to make an improved offer for the goblin-made armor. So I thought that was kind of interesting because, again, there's armor on the cover of the children's edition in the UK for Deathly Hollows. So is it possible that maybe Mr. Burke didn't want it, maybe Tom Riddle wanted it to make a horcrux because we know the nature of the armor itself is almost indestructible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. It would be something that would really appeal to him, I think. My question is, did he actually make a Horcrux out of it? What are the chances that um, the cup, you know, Hufflepuff's cup and some armor, um, two Horcruxes would come from one person? But but it isn't that, but it's just goblin-made armor. It doesn't, I yeah. don't know, it just doesn't seem special enough. Yes, it's special, but it's, there's more he than wants one, one goblin of the kind make pieces. it, you know, whereas yeah, Hufflepuff's cup, exactly, yeah, he wants, it's like... Pokemon reference, Pokemon reference, that um, the three <laughs> legendary birds in the game, you could only catch one of them once. You had, you, you had one chance to catch them, and if you uh, missed would them, they fainted. Would that be Zapdos, Molestere, and, or Moltres, and... Um, <laughs> almost. Um, Articuno, Zapdos, yes. and, M- and Moltres. Moltres. But yeah, you only, had, you only had one chance to catch them, and if you missed it, you missed it. And it's kind of like that. I think he just wanted one-of-a-kind one of a kind thing. So I don't think he'd want something which, although very, very rare, and which could be done... W- with a spell, you know, or um, or made by, um, you know, any number of goblins, and it, it's still rare, and the techniques are still rare, I don't think he'd want that, because um, he'd just want one-of-a-kind items. Well, what if it was one-of-a-kind and who it belonged to, though? We don't well, that, know who yeah, well, the armor yeah. belonged yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. I think it's also possible that even if he ended up not making it into a horcrux, he might have been considering it. Yeah, that is true. Like, maybe he thought about doing that, and then as time went on, he thought he wanted to be a little more selective about the items he chose. Yeah. Yes? No? Maybe? Yeah. We- well, I, and also, it's um dependent. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to believe that maybe it was actually Borgen, that, that, or Mr. Burke, that wanted this, you know, maybe, potentially, um, just because of its, its retail value. Um, but also, 
about what Laura was asking um, regarding could he would he take two things from the same founder or the same person um, I really I think kind of it, it might have been desperation if he did um, you know what he can get his hands on of the four founders because obviously anything Hogwartsian is is kind of special to him um, but I also think in the book seven it doesn't necessarily mean that all the items of the founders are horcruxes, but I do think that Harry will have to find items of the founders as a completely separate entity, p- perhaps for a, sec- uh, a different reason. Maybe, maybe the the founders of Hogwarts's you know items will aid Harry not because they're horcruxes, but just because they're special in themselves. Do you mm-hmm. do you guys? Well, think Well, I that's was almost possible? thinking that Harry might have to. Part of his adventure might just be finding clues, not just finding horcruxes, yeah. but finding various things that Tom Riddle had owned that aren't horcruxes, but that lead him to one. Kind of along the lines of the locket. Voldemort's got a secret stash. <laughs> Fake horcruxes? Yeah. No. He's got. <laughs> he, he just throws them out at uh, will. Can I make a well, parallel? Well, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. There was um there was a film called Under Siege <laughs> Two, which starred um, <laughs> Steven Seagal, and basically what happened was they put this. Um, no, seriously, this is this is serious. They put this satellite into orbit, and this satellite could blast any location on Earth with us with like a power of I like Goldeneye. It, like Goldeneye, exactly, just just like Goldeneye, and um and basically what happened was the U.S military wanted to destroy this uh the satellite so the the mastermind who who uh who took over this satellite and made it evil to blast all these things created a number of sort of like fake satellites um and then the military had like 50 to choose from and in the end they got the wrong one and but <laughs> then it all worked out because in Steven Tegal films he has to be the you know the cool hero who kicks everyone's thing so um but yeah, yeah. that could be like it <laughs> like Voldemort creates bad you know fake Horcruxes because I mean I'd do that if I wanted to make people you know look forever for the real thing maybe Throw yeah well, well yeah. Uh, the other thing though is Voldemort is also blinded by his arrogance um in, in, in suggesting or even thinking that somebody would be able to find out his secret of his Horcruxes yes they might be highly guarded but also, I don't know if he'd go so far as to create fake ones if somebody were to... I think he'd have more pride and, and more time to conquer the world than than keep creating, you know, a, an obscene amount of, of false um, horcruxes. I mean, if, only, if Dumbledore had difficulty finding one of them, I think Voldemort is kind of right in his, uh, s- you know, false security of being safe with his secret. Um, but obviously, somebody like R.I.B. could have easily come in and, and found him out. So... You know, I don't think there's a lot of decoy Horcruxes, as it were, but you yeah. know, for for for, for exactly yeah, good that point, reason. Eric. Um, thank you, and I just wanted to, you know, Jamie went all out here with uh, Under Siege Two: Dark Territory, which uh, was released it is uh, 14th Dark of Territory. July. Very good. Yes, 14th of July, 1995. <laughs> Eric, uh, you aren't using IMDb, are you? That excellent <laughs> site for finding out information. At the top right of the page, I can't help but notice this lovely advertisement for Amazon.com. Oh yeah. But at any rate, director directed by Jeff Murphy, and uh, the writers are J.F. Lawton and Richard Haydim. Awesome. Okay, unless awesome. anybody else has anything to say about these rebuttals, I think it's about time we move into our main discussion. So you guys ready? Yep. Okay, with all of the feedback that we've gotten about Gringotts, I thought that it would be good to talk about what role Gringotts could play in Deathly Hallows. Now, I was looking through Sorcerer's Stone, and I noticed that the description of Gringotts kind of fit 
the description that we see on the cover. It's described as having narrow stone passageways lit with flaming torches. It slopes steeply downward, and there are little railway tracks on the floor, twisting passages. Harry also saw a burst of fire at the end of a passage, which would support the theory that they're actually um, facing a dragon in that one image. Also, Harry passed an underground lake where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and the floor. So we know that um, Gringotts isn't just a bank. It's actually um, kind of an... I mean, it's actually got an underground lake and it's got ravines and... Yeah, it's not just a building. And that's what I find interesting about it. Well, the thing that I I always thought, the main point I always thought about Gringotts and the thing that we should always um, include and sort of stress is that it's not under control of the good side. And it never has been. And like, even though Dumbledore uses one of the vaults to store the Philosopher's Stone, that doesn't mean that he has control over everything. It's just, it's just a high security vault that he happens to own or loan. And I think that it's, you know, it's important to point out that both sides can use Gringotts if they want to. It's, it just seems like a kind of neutral player in the whole war. You know, yeah, it really does. Don't kill us, and we won't side with the other side. So, I think it could be immensely important in the, you know, seventh book just because yeah, of that. Yeah, the impression that I've gotten of the goblins is that they really don't care one way or the other as long as they're not affected. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think it's as and much as that though. As long as they survive and as long as they, you know, get their gifts. Well, yeah, they do want to survive, but they aren't necessarily the people who are going to say, "Just don't hurt us, and we'll go along with you." I think there also there's a bit of greed and there's a bit of uh, loyalty among goblins. I mean, they've rebelled how many times throughout history that we hear of? Um, so they aren't exactly. That's true non-active members when wars and things are breaking out they they do participate in wars so i think they are not as much um you know importantly uh neutral as they're appearing to be now i think it's just a matter of of greed and power i think they have ties to both the good and the dark side and let's face it i mean both good people and bad people can have the same bank so money's kind of money kind of you know, there's charity and there's 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 obviously blood money. You know, and well, well, I wouldn't say necessarily that they have ties to the good or bad side. I think they are neutral to who they serve. So whether you're good or bad, they're going to give you a bank account because they, right. But but they aren't necessarily going to stay out of war. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I think the only way they would get involved in a war was if they if it directly impacted the goblins. I agree, yeah. If they don't have any reason to be involved, I don't think they will be. And if you remember, this has already happened before. So the fact that they weren't they didn't mention punishing them or, you know, putting any restrictions on them, it means that they weren't a problem before why would they be a problem now yeah i mean you hear about how giants played a big part in the first war but you never hear anything about goblins right and that's not to say that there's not one goblin that's corrupt but that goes for anyone oh i think they have a lot of pride in what they do and i think if that pride was threatened whether it was from one side or the other then that may cause them to act and i liked what jamie was saying before about how we've seen it play such a a big role in the first book, and we saw that it's not completely safe either, because that vault was broken into by Voldemort, so or Quirrellmort, whatever you want to call him. 
um, it's a very good chance that you know they're not playing one side or the other because I think they would have reacted a lot differently uh, if, for instance, they were on the good side completely. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's true. But can't they just be neutral? There's those people who decide to stand out and you know. I mean, I just always kind of gotten the impression of the goblins that um, say if someone from the good side did something bad to a goblin, they're not going to go join Voldemort's ranks just because someone from the good side did something to them. They're going to go after that one person. They are, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sort of insult these creatures, but like it just seems that I mean, if you I was should a dementor, no, they're going to no, come no, after you in your sleep. They they might do, Mike. Don't don't you know. You read these chain letters, and it's like, I am six years old, I have no eyes. If you don't forward this to 100 <laughs> yeah, million people in the next two seconds, <laughs> I'll come to your bed tonight and kill you. So th- <laughs> they, that they might once. come after you, Mike, so don't, so don't you know, push your luck. No, no. Oh, God. The, way I see it, the way I see it is that um, uh, uh, it seems that these kind of creatures... Now, I don't want to sort of generalize over goblins but dementors it seems that they are ideally suited to be on Voldemort's side he'll he'll give them what they want which is a feast of you know souls it just seems that goblins I don't know I don't know if it's just me but it just seems that they would be better served by going with Voldemort I'm sure whatever they want he could provide for them whereas Dumbledore will say well is it good if it's good I'll give it to you if it's not good then you can go fish but but that's what I'm saying I don't think it's about good or bad with them I think it's about money. What they want. Exactly, it is. Yeah, I and, agree. And it, so they're completely neutral so long as they get money. They, exactly, they could yeah. care less if it's a, you know, Voldemort's you know what, vault though? or I'm Harry not, Potter's. It doesn't matter so long sure as money is going in it. I, I mean, what I kind of, whenever I consider the goblins, I think of a very proud culture and yeah, they a are. group of people and or a group of creatures that would not um, take kindly to being seen as a group that would need uh, an outside influence to give them what they wanted. I think they're very self-sufficient and they want to earn what they can get for themselves, not have someone give it to them. Yeah, it's um, that's the other thing too, and it's great for Laura to point that out because if you think about it, despite the fact that they just want money, um, they are a proud people. Or, or a proud, uh, you know, group of of, of creatures, or, or they're a proud group. And uh, if you recall, I mean, things throughout the Harry Potter books, for instance, you know, Barty Crouch was it uh, who gave them false, you know, leprechaun gold to pay back some of his debts. I mean, things like that earn uh, ministry officials, if anything, if not just humans, um, very bad reps and very, you know, if, if somebody's unreliable. I think uh, Voldemort, you know, if he can not just, you know, give give them business, but but show that he is in some ways um, more true to his word at least, that that might be respectable. Because, I mean, we're coming down to the seventh book where we have to understand where the ministry has screwed up in terms of being, um, you know, effective or not effective and treating other people as they should be treated. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered. You know, so I mean, yeah. Sorry, Eric. I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, I've always wondered what exactly is so frightening about goblins because you were talking about Barty Crouch, um, Junior, and I specifically no no senior, senior, excuse me, and uh, I specifically remember him being very nervous around the goblins. Like generally, if you give someone fake money and 
you're not afraid of them. You're not going to be trying to avoid them. But he was clearly trying to avoid them, and he seemed very nervous. And it, I just wonder what exactly the goblins can do. Well, Laura, they have a cave with a dragon and a lake and stalactites. What, are and they going to drag him down they there can and put feed him, him to the dragon and 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 tie him to a stalagmite? I mean, I'm dead serious. That's the kind of stuff yeah, that happens. Yeah, but do, in this do they world. have the kind of powers that house elves have? Because we know that we know that house elves. We've never powerful. really seen a goblin exhibit power. Well, take a look at the vault then. Uh, the special vault, 713, Dumbledore's vault, by the way, which the Sorcerer's Stone was kept in. I think it was at least... Uh, no, it was in the book. Um, if anybody but a goblin tried to open the door this way, they would be sucked into the door uh, and kept there forever, you know, until we check it. And Harry says... Oh, ten sorry, years. Ten years. Well, well, no, he said until we Roughly check it. He says, how often are you checking? And he says, once every ten years, you know. So they've got right, some, so kind of, some kind of power. That'd be <laughs> a, a horrible lifestyle, kind of sucked into a door. But I wonder if you age. I don't know. I think it would be. <laughs> I'd quite rather exciting. see Jumanji yeah. really, when he gets sucked into it, the board game and lives in the jungle for. Well, I'd rather see Jumanji. No, no, no. Now, Eric, in a uh, in Jumanji, that yeah, Van hunter, Pelt, yeah, Van Pelt, yeah, yeah, we, he could have beaten him easily. That gun that he was using, if he just thrown a barrel of water on it or something, it was so old it would have jammed or something. He could have taken him down easily. It was so annoying watching him. It was like. Van oh, Pelt. actually, this, the same uh, guy who played the Hunter Van Pelt also played uh, Robin Williams' his father as a child, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the actor Jonathan oh, awesome, Hyde. Really? Uh, that's Jumanji, which premiered 15th of December 1995, thanks to the IMDb um, for that as well. <laughs> you know, Eric, it was kind of interesting that you brought up um, the whole cool. quote, you know, where Grip Hook said, um, if anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there. Um I think that's interesting because if you look at the UK children's edition cover, we've been talking about how it looks like they're being drug in somewhere. What if they're being sucked into a vault? Oh, wow. That'd be funny. We touched <laughs> the door. We shouldn't have touched yeah. the door. That's interesting. Oh, let us hope that in this... T- you think that Harry would yeah, be clever really would. That, right? You would, um, but now I can just see it. Like, we have, you know, halfway through the book, oh we have gosh. ten years later when the goblins finally come Actually, to that, check the vault. You know what? That's more clever <laughs> than I thought. In, in, in episode 83, didn't we talk about how it looked like a vault or an archway or something? Yeah. And it was obviously treasure, so it makes sense that it was a Gringotts vault, but maybe they were being sucked out of it or sucked into the door, which would really suck for the ending of the series. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> How, how would you know? I think a muggle would um, fare better in there than a um, than a wizard because basically yeah. we have cell phones. You know, yeah, but you, nothing. Would you get cell signal? Although in I doubt a, you get much reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under, under, underneath no, no, London, no, no, well, no, no. They well, have depends um, on how overloaded London is with cell phones and how deeply the. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but no, but uh, Gringotts must like install a Vodafone mast, you know, inside their building, just so people can get signaled down in the vaults, because it would, it would be a Jenny, bit unfair you a if you couldn't. I think. Or there's Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi mm. down in the vaults. I think that's it. Yeah, free Wi-Fi, <laughs> so when you're down there, you can surf and... If they are being sucked into a vault, whose do you think it is? I was thinking maybe Hepzibah Smith. It has to be one of the special ones. Because we were though. talking about how yeah, she had a lot of treasure, she has plus a lot of the treasure, yeah. goblin-made armor. I mean... It could very well be hers. What if they go there looking for something that they thought Riddle might have used or wanted to use? 
You know what I suggest? You know what I just thought? That's Something true. brilliant thought just occurred to me. If they were to take an image, well, you tell me if it's a brilliant thought anyway. If they were to take a photograph um, of somebody, you know, say who has another photograph, for instance, with them in their pocket, such as you know, wallet photographs, for instance, uh, it, it, you know, if they move, etc., uh, and and they were able to get sucked into a door, um, couldn't they then use that portrait to? either travel themselves to the other person's portrait, which would be outside of the door of the vault, or tell the person inside to transfer to their portrait and get some serious help. Um, I guess it all depends on if you actually carry around um, a portrait, because I've never heard of uh, having, like, a wallet-sized, you know, picture that was, you know... It's true. Portrait. Well, photographs move, but we don't know yeah. if photographs can vi- are separate from portraits in that they can visit their other subjects that are... Well, I mean, it's we know they can but leave, when, but you know. the only personality we've seen have been from portraits. Well, I don't want to talk about whether or not they're imprints of personalities or not, but they can transfer between portraits. Yeah, I mean, they that can. happens all the time in the books. Yeah, and they can I mean, also visit their other selves, such as... Um, what was it? The uh, the old headmaster who's a grim old place, who's Sirius's great-great-grandfather. What's his name, please? Phineas Nagellus. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Oh, go you, Laura. <laughs> anyway, that's he like went, he went between his time. old portrait to see. Yeah, well, yeah, that's freaking crazy. So, Kevin, are you April 17th then? That's pretty cool. Yes, I am. I'm April 23rd. Shakespeare's birthday, by the way. Yeah, happy early birthday, you guys. Side note. Thanks. <laughs> No, Eric, Eric, Shakespeare Shakespeare was born on your birthday, come on. <laughs> Do you think, though, I mean, just kind of talking about what Eric was saying, trying to get help, um, do you think that even if you somehow managed to alert, you know, a friend or someone in your family, could they get you out? Would the goblins even let you out? I'm sure they would. Do you think so, though? Because um, they're the only ones who can do it. Yeah, but, and well, think of, they must do, think of the, like, I don't know, the claim if they didn't let you out, like, you could sue them for so much money. But how could how could you even prove that someone was locked in there? Well, you'd say, go and open it, and if there isn't someone in there, I'll give you but some money. But they say they only check it every ten years. No, no, but they only check it every <laughs> ten years if, like, no one says anything. That I think that's just a random check. Every ten years, they'll check it to see if anyone's in there. But if someone comes down and says, look, my son's <laughs> gone in there, okay, and I haven't seen him for a few years, so can you just go and look and see if he's in there? I think they'll go and check, to be honest. I don't know. I just have a hard time believing I that think it's might be a vault. Like, the problem with it is because of the sky that's behind it looks like the same sky. We said it a million times. It's on the U.S. cover. Yeah, it does. I mean, it definitely does. It could just, I mean, it could be the color of the inside of the vault. I know that um, whenever they opened Harry's vault, green smoke came out. So, I mean, what if we have various different colors of smoke that come out of the vault? And we that's open? interesting. Maybe? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said before, though, about um, whose vault might it be, I mean... There's a couple of different things that look like um, cups that are in that treasure there, including one that's right above the helmet. If you look sort of right above the helmet on the uh, left-hand side, so maybe that's her cup. Well, cups maybe are a he's very going for Horcrux, thing. I mean, if you're going to make something useful out of gold, why shouldn't it be a goblet? You know. Well, my point is the Horcrux that's supposed to be Hufflepuff's cup. 
But it actually could also be a Grail reference, of course, to um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, per se. Um, where at the yeah, end, yeah, I mean, they're riding choose, around Gringotts you know, on those choose, uh, choose little carts. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it yeah, could yeah, also be a say. reference to all of the uh, Arthurian legend we've been talking that's about, right? Like, yeah. yeah. possibly. So I don't know. But you think uh, you think that's a bit more likely, right, Eric? Well, no, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <laughs> was about the Arthurian legend and um, Saint, what was it, Peter or Christopher, who stayed behind and guarded the Grail? Who are you talking about? I don't know, but um, <laughs> the guy who guarded the Grail. And, um, so they, in what? He, he in chose what? poorly. In, oh, in that knight, that's got to be the suckiest job ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he had immortality <laughs> and he had faith, so Jamie, don't Eric, Eric, it doesn't matter if you have immortality and faith. When you're stuck in a room for 3,000 years with a, a load of cups, seriously, there's no <laughs> worse life ever. So kind of backtracking here and talking about the possibility of Voldemort or, you know, the trio going to Gringotts to find something of Voldemort's. You think it's possible that he would have actually hidden a Horcrux yes. in Gringotts? What, Voldemort? Uh... Where do you th- Why not? Yeah, I mean, where do you think he'd hide it? Place. I mean, there's definitely... No, I'm not saying no. I'm saying that there's a large number of underground natural places, like, you know, the lakes and, and the ravines. Vault. Well, it's important um, to think... It's important to know that Voldemort has already been to Gringotts, and remember that, because Voldemort has been to Gringotts before. He was with Quirrell trying to break into Vault 713. Was he? I yes, thought he Quirrell hadn't been possessed by then. But Quirrell wasn't wearing the turban when Harry well, look, met him what, first. Whether or not he was possessed, Voldemort was probably right there next to Quirrell if it was on his back of his head or not, trying to help him get into Gringotts. Because believed to be the uh, you know act of dark w- witches or wizards unknown, um, it's serious. You know, Quirrell wasn't sucked into the door, so I'd like to think that Voldemort had uh, some kind of aid in that, as Quirrell is supposed to really be a bumbling fool. But he turned out not to be. It kind of turned out. Well, to no, be an no, act. it's not a matter. I mean, he's he was daft enough. No, he was daft enough to be to get himself lost in Albania or whatever, and be possessed by Voldemort. So I would still say part of that is how stupid or incompetent he was as a defense against a dark arts teacher. You know, we're kind of just talking about how Voldemort likes to hide his Horcruxes in areas that wouldn't necessarily be considered completely safe. I mean, Gaunt's ring was in kind of the ruins of the house and um, the locket was in a cave. So I think it definitely is a possibility that he would hide a Horcrux in Gringotts, maybe not even in a vault. Because he seems to kind of like secluded areas that... um, I don't know, but but it leaves it kind of open, doesn't it? It's like... like, having a house which is really really secure and then breaking into it and hiding your horcrux in there it's like giving it giving control over your horcrux to a different group i don't know it just seems like i'm sure that the goblins know all of gringotts secrets and i'm sure that there's a way to to find out what's in there automatically so well what i mean you know we're kind of talking about the goblins as being impartial what if they view you know, customer confidentiality the way any other bank does i mean not to get terribly confidential or terribly specific here but if they're viewing anything being locked up in their bank as something that belongs to a customer they're not going to tell anybody about it 
That's actually true, Laura. It's a bril- it's a brilliant idea as well because if Voldemort's got a safe deposit box, here here's an idea, Voldemort. Get a safe deposit box, and the only way anybody else will be able to enter it will be if if they inherit the safe deposit box. Hide your Horcruxes in there, and you'll never have to worry about anybody else inheriting because you won't need to worry yeah. about being expired. Never have kids. Just just y- you know. Well, for obvious kids, reasons, but, but what I'm saying is, kids. he can't die because of his Horcruxes. So if he puts his Horcruxes in something that will only be passed on once he dies, it's kind of you know a win-win situation. I don't know. I mean, that's makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, it's true. I was going to say I don't necessarily think the cave was a not safe place to hide it. I mean, think of all the things that they had to go through just to get to the locket. Um, but my other thought was, what if? the rest of the Horcruxes, or at least the ones that are sort of the inanimate objects aside from Nagini, what if they're all in a vault somewhere? Is that possible? I mean, are they all in the same place, or do you think they're all in different places? Well, I mean, it, it, I personally think for the sake of the story, they're in different places, yeah, I think but so. yeah. that's, that's not to say that in reality they couldn't all be together, but I think the way Voldemort operates is... He doesn't want, at least in my opinion, he wouldn't want to make it completely impossible to find a Horcrux because in that way, if he makes it so that there is a way to get to them like there was in the cave, when someone doesn't, it's like saying he is intellectually superior and he has beaten that person. So I don't think he's going to go out of his way to make it impossible to find his Horcruxes. And also people like him... Because he wants to watch someone try and fail. No, but more than that, he wants to see somebody succeed. He wants to have an equal, but he doesn't want to have an equal. He wants to have somebody who can solve the thing and then go on to beat them. You know, it's like all people in, you know, in power, you want somebody who's as powerful as you, or almost as, as powerful as you, so that you can... otherwise you're bored. Otherwise you're you bored, bored and can and beat everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, hu- hubris. So kind of, I mean, taking what you just said, Jamie, isn't it kind of creepy that Harry's sort of doing what Voldemort wants? Exactly, yeah, it is. I think, why would you, if you honestly wanted no one to find your Horcruxes, now Voldemort isn't stupid, and I know that Dumbledore says that he's attracted to power and he wanted Horcruxes that were symbolic and, you know, special objects, but if he wanted people not to find his Horcruxes, he would have made them old tin cans and buried them 500 metres below the ground, you know. If, as a wizard, he could make his Horcruxes unfindable if he wanted them to, but clearly he hides them under mazes, you you know, um, with loads of challenges so that people if they're worthy can find them you know I don't think I don't know perhaps he's looking for a successor one day you know it's like (laughs) again a Dan Brown reference in the the Da Vinci Code the cryptographer Sophie talks about um, self-authorizing code if you're smart enough to read it then you're smart enough to know what it says you know so it's kind of kind of like that if you're smart enough to find out where his horcruxes are and beat them then you're smart enough to defeat Voldemort perhaps it's like that yeah, w- yeah. Or, or the clues you know the, the the traps and things are only as smart as those who create them well, exactly uh, yeah. or set them you know so yeah I think you're right in that I think you're right definitely well I think the person would have to obviously find out first that he's created Horcruxes I mean think about how much Harry had to go through just to be 100% sure that that's how Voldemort was able to stay alive that was Dumbledore's process. Yeah, but actually. think about that. If you don't even solve that initial piece, you're you can't even begin your quest to destroy oh, yeah. them. 
then you, you don't even know where to look, where to begin to look. Well, I mean, it's still such a mystery to you then why Harry has a scar, I mean, besides the prophecy, why, you know, why Voldemort just is not killed and why he exists in such minimal soul form uh, when, when he loses his body. If you don't even know about Horcruxes, as I presume most people don't, then you're right. It's the, I mean, that's the first puzzle piece. And we saw Dumbledore um, p- piece the things together from hearing Harry talk about the diary in year two to kind of really seeing these living entities as potential, you know, Horcruxes and then further tracing things back. Three cheers for Dumbledore, man. Seriously, what the, you know, that's. <laughs> Yeah. Some good Yay. detective work. That's some good detective work. Dumbledore's the real HP sleuth, I'll tell you that. Kind of moving on, you know, everybody had kind of been speculating that um, perhaps the UK cover depicted the trio coming back from the setting that we see in the US cover because the skies are the same color. Now, this kind of led me to wonder exactly when in the book does this scene take place? Like, is this the final showdown, which would take place at Gringotts? Or is this the middle of the book? Where do we think this is? I don't know if I could take the the last confrontation is going to be in Gringotts. I want it to be somewhere yeah, a bit I, more... I mean, yeah, I, I, think so, yeah. I think Gringotts is important, but something a bit more symbolic. Well, then again... I think it would be more towards the middle, actually. I think That's it depends what on... I've been thinking. If it's Gringotts, yeah. I think it'll definitely be more towards the middle of the book. I think it depends on where the book is heading, though. I mean, if you think... Because I, I had seen an interview once of this um, of a kid who uh, due to, who developed a friendship with J.K. Rowling and wrote letters back and forth. And it must have been on Oprah or something, but he had said that he wrote letters back and forth and tried to guess the ending of the books. And he shared uh, J.K.R.'s um, sincere, you know, uh, a kind of nodding her head uh, when he said to her that he thought the muggles were going to find out about the Wizarding World. Um, so it depends on the direction book seven takes, because if you're thinking about, if the, if book seven is headed in the direction where muggles find out about wizards, then actually an end battle being underneath London is kind of climactic enough for me, I think. If, um, you know, if you want to really take it like that. That's a good point, actually. But just one last thing that I wanted to add was that, um, the trio's actually on, the UK edition, which kind of leads me to believe that that scene would be more towards the middle of the book, because I'm a firm believer that Harry has to face Voldemort on his own. And that's the one thing that always kind of threw me off of thinking they were coming back from whatever setting um, we see on the US cover, because I don't think they're going to be there at the end. I mean, are they... But is that because they're standing by eating plum cake? Yeah, or is that's that right because before Harry slips dead. and cracks his pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> no, but one thing I've always wondered about this scene was, could you take it and make it so they're falling down as opposed to being pulled through? What? Yeah, into the arch, you mean? As no, no, it being like, thrown out. If you yeah. were to, if you're looking at this I've, on a computer, say you took your computer and flipped it. If you think it, that Harry's face is right, pointing skyward, that's what I'm saying. Is are they falling down? So it's it, like you look at it like a vertical, completely right. right downward view, as opposed to oh, okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Well, what would that change? Uh, it would change because they're about to land on some sharp no, no, no. gold cups. It, it would be that they would falling it into would the be ground as opposed to being pulled through 
something that's standing upright. Oh, oh well. that makes me excited because it gives me another parallel about how they fell through the trap door. Oh, I love it. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> I'm a dork. Don't make fun of me. Also magical. Yeah, it really is. So, are you think we've pretty much covered this, everybody? I think so. Covered Gringotts to death. Okay, and now we go to our um, uh, segment that we came up with a few weeks ago for the special show, which hopefully we're going to introduce um, a couple of times. We're going to um, do Making a Connection, where I name a random thing, and then each of the hosts have to make a connection between that thing and Harry Potter. Kevin, yours is the the curtains as a fire hazard and Harry Potter. Oh, well, that's obvious, because a veil can light on fire with all the uh, <laughs> torches around in the veil room and stuff. All See, they Kevin's use is candles, and, and, you know, they don't use any light bulbs or they anything, so, I, so I could see book seven, it's going to be a major event. Yeah. The veil lighting on fire. No, 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 that's crackpot theory, but, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, if if you set it on fire... If you set the veil on fire, that's no portal to the to the world of death anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, souls can't get through. It's like little Nicky where they're just sticking to the the you know. Okay, Eric, yours is um. Let's think. Um. 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 Okay, an overpriced buffet in Harry Potter. Well, uh, clearly the Weasleys are um, personified in the series as being not of sufficient money, so an overpriced buffet would actually greatly upset them, and they would not actually be seen. Uh, and basically, an overpriced buffet is an unlikely scene in the Harry Potter series, on 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 two with two exceptions. One is that for Bill and Fleur's wedding, they go all out and say, "What the hey? We're going to go to an overpriced buffet." And in the meantime, uh, you know, what is the function of the toffee? Um, well, no, they have toffees and stuff. But and and the other exception would be that Harry treats. Um, perhaps at the end of this, uh, you know, the end of the book. This is again kind of merging into crap theory. Or, or the house elves start charging. Yeah. Oh, that's true as well. That's true. Hey, hey, put it this way, Kevin. Thank you for that, because if the house elves started charging, gosh, what wouldn't be an overpriced buffet? All, all the, you know, all the pumpkin pasties and everything that they eat, and it just keeps refilling itself. That's an overpriced buffet. Thank you, Kevin. Laura, your one is Augustus Gloop and Harry Potter. Oh, well, I mean, you look at all the candy you see in Harry Potter, it's a wonder <laughs> that people don't come out like Augustus Gloop. I mean, next thing you know, Harry's going to be getting do. sucked up a giant... <laughs> Hey, hey Laura, milk in the next book. some do. Some do turn out like Augustus Gloop. Oh, Dudley, that's true. That's very true. Yep. Okay, Micah, back to you. Let's see. I can't remember what yours is. You're going to have to just... It, it's, it's Tiger Woods and oh, yeah, Harry yeah, Potter. Tiger Woods and Harry Potter. Come on. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, don't you? A Tiger Woods is a huge sports star. Harry is a huge sports star. He plays Quidditch. Tiger Woods plays golf. They both, they both play on grass. Or Harry plays over grass, I guess. But uh, I think it's, I think that's uh, you know Harry's won a, a few uh, trophies in his time, and Tiger Woods has won his fair share as well. So just, there's just one detail I would have liked for you to to mention as well: small balls. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
No, 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 not, not, no, Jamie, no, Jamie. Listen, no, small balls. They both play a sport involving and centralized around small balls. Yes. The snitch, the snitch is the most important ball in Quidditch, and and golf is very small. In fact, the snitch, if I'm not mistaken, is described as being shaped of the size of a golf ball. Well, why don't you so, use that as your comparison? Well, you see, when you see Eric, Eric, do, do you know in um, Philosopher's Stone when um, ha- Harry first went to play Quidditch and um, Oliver Wood didn't want to lose the Golden Snitch, so he th- threw a load of golf balls around and Harry caught them all. Well, um, when Tiger Woods f- first played golf, they got out of a, a Golden Snitch and he hit it and it flew away and they couldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> well that's good that's a great story to end on for me because I've actually got to get going well Eric thank you for joining us bye Eric oh you're so yourself. yep okay night everybody and, and take care and, and everything and, and uh, also uh, the Kiwis say it here cheers 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 bye bye cheers from there we're going to move on to uh, Chicken Soup for the Muggle Castle this one comes from Chris22 he's located on the Atlantic Ocean and he writes on it. hey Muggle Cast <laughs> he lives on yeah, the Atlantic yes, Ocean he- he does, actually, what? Jamie. Listen to the he email. He can walk on water. He just lives there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a pretty big fan of you guys for a while now, and I have never missed an episode until a couple of months ago. I'm in the Navy, and right now my ship is sailing the Atlantic. I barely get access to the internet, and I get no access to the weekly podcasts. The only thing that keeps that is keeping me from going insane is my iPod packed with past episodes that you guys have done. One of only two of my co-workers are into Harry Potter and MuggleCast as much as I am, but we work opposite shifts, giving us no time at all to mention the boy wizard's name to each other. Well, I just wanted to write you guys, while the internet is still up and working, to let you know that you are missed. When I come back to land, I will not hesitate to download all the missed episodes. Take care. Oh, does, does oh, he? Well, does he receive mail? I, I, I wonder know, if we can't just. Yeah, he does. I wrote him back actually. Because I wonder but if we can't does. send him a couple DVDs with just episodes on. Oh, that would be a good idea. Let us know, Sorry. Chris. Let us know if we How can. How does he receive the mail? For you. How does he receive the mail? Um, help, they actually <laughs> fly it in, I believe. By yeah. owl. By owl, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. One person just builds an awesome paper airplane and he puts it all on there and just throws it as hard as he can and it just gets. Well, to there the was an amazing invention in like the last century called an airplane. Never heard of that. And what, what happened? Is it good? It actually. It actually flies. No. Do you not have no. those in Britain? Only birds yeah. can do that. And Icarus. Uh-huh. But he screwed up. So, Jamie, how'd you get over here all those times? You swam. Well, I f- flapped my he flapped arms his as hard as arms I can. really hard. Yeah. I just got lucky. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. And you take care. Definitely. Thanks for writing. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure that that wraps up this week's show. Uh, as always, Skype the username MuggleCast. And to, uh, I can't even do this. I can't even do it. I don't know how he does Jamie it. Do. I think he must pull it up. It doesn't a- have to be truthful information. Just be like, just be like, just be like, if you want to leave it. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to leave a voicemail, Skype the username MuggleCast. Please keep your message under 30 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. As if possible. you're in the UK, dial 12127864321. If you're in the US, dial 0208024020 magic. If you're in Australia, dial 4765927. And yes, please call soon. Or you can go on Frapper. I think and you gave the right <laughs> no, numbers, I didn't. I, I just made those uh. up. For our communities, you go on Facebook, MySpace, or Frapper. Please see us, because we love hearing from you guys. We've got over 6,000 friends on uh, MySpace now, so please add us, and we will add you 
back. Thank you very much. I'm Andrew Even though we won't really. No, 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 no. And for those of you who are really wondering what the numbers were, in the US, that's 1, 2, and 8, 20 magic. In the United Kingdom, that's 0, 2, 0, 8, 1, double, 4, 0, 6, double, 7. And if you're down under, that's going to be 0, 2, 8, double, 0, 3, 5, double, 6, 8. Also, do not forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley, and please review us at Yahoo Podcasts. I think that pretty much wraps up all the closing announcements. So with that, I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Kevin Stack. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the way, Pirates of the Caribbean comes out uh, next May, um, and I think we should promotionalize this that May. one as well to see if they will. Oh, this May. This May, this upcoming month. Yeah, we should. We should start getting more of these deals, or we just promote a few Isn't books uh, or films. Yeah, and, you know. totally. We need yeah. to talk the to people about it. trailer actually is out. Is Have it Spider-Man? I haven't seen oh, the trailer. Oh, so <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm going to go on the Internet Movie Gosh. Database. That is IMDb.com. So IMDb.com. I'm going to go on Dad. Internet Movie Database Woo. to check out that trailer. With <laughs> Apple QuickTime. I'm going to view Apple QuickTime more. Okay. Checking out the uh, the trailer uh, <laughs> on IMDb of Pirates of the Caribbean. How do you view uh, Apple QuickTime, Eric? By. Eric, how do you view? Can can you view QuickTime on a normal computer, or do you need a specialist Apple Mac, which you can buy from Apple dot com? I hear. I'm not sure though. I think you get a discount for being in a uh, education, but I'm not sure at all. Well, uh, sure? J- Jamie, as a matter of fact, I'm working off a uh, PC, a uh, Dell XPS M140 laptop, no, they, uh, which I they're good. I hear they're very good. I hear very good. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> they are quite good, quite economic, and it actually works overseas as well. Yeah. You only need a small adapter, wow. um, nothing wow. as and, far uh, as voltage converters. You don't. You don't have and to restart <laughs> your computer this twice be, to. Uh, <laughs> Yes, this can be purchased um, (laughs) from any AAA uh, travel store and travel center um, for the unwitting price of about four ninety five. So it's it's quite economical, and or you could vote on podcast. Okay, and now that Eric has his check, I think he needs to read the next rebuttal. I think he does. (laughs) Here's a. I'm sure she's heard this a million times before, but if she invited us round for the first meal of the day, what would we be doing? What would we be eating and where? What's her name? Where um, would? <laughs> what? If who invited? What? Um, I'm confused. If if um, the person who wrote this thing invited us around for the first meal of the day. Oh god! She said she <laughs> loved oh, the dumb jokes. So no, 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 no. funny. <laughs> she said she loved the uh, dumb jokes. Yeah. There you go. And she probably loves how it t- takes us like ten years yeah. to catch on to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet she does. Uh, <laughs> I bet that's her favorite thing. That's all the news for this... I don't know what date it is. That's all the news for this...